Mark. Hey, Gabe. Uh, this is Faking It, a show where we check our cultural blind spots, make up for past wrongs, and come to terms with the shameful lies we've told. Uh, today we have a great guest. Our guest is Ben Sinclair. That was not what I was told. <laughs> uh, I did not know it was that, that you were uh, the mission statement of the show. That's rough. It's get every, that mic. It's get an, that mic. It's up in on your every face, episode, man. You, you gotta. You, you gotta, wanna write the wrongs of my uh, my past? We're trying. Not your personal wrongs, unless oh. you feel like this is the right venue for that. I feel like there's nobody here. You really need to apologize to. Ah, uh, Mark, I owe you maybe an apology. I think it's probably all evened out by this. Point. Yes, 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 yes. We'll see by the end. Maybe <laughs> you know, we don't know. The first time go. I ever ate my fun, I pissed off your. Uh, girlfriend. That what, was the first time. What the I fuck ever... is my fun? It's a Singaporean it's a noodle. noodle. Oh, what did you do? It was the night we all went to happy endings, and the night I met Fun Fun. Oh, that was a long time ago. A long time ago. First night I ever had my fun, mm-hmm. and I I think that's when I pissed off Jessica <laughs> the third time. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well. I didn't know that. I didn't. I probably knew that for a while and then forgot about it. But you know what? It's a good noodle. Yeah. It's nice and light. Uh huh. I'm not even going to yeah. ask what the connection is between what you said and that noodle. Well, we were saying about righting the wrongs of the past. Uh-huh. And I remember that night. Oh, man. I really pissed off Jessica. Yeah. And that was the first night I ate that noodle. <laughs> well, but just to be clear, the, the fact that it was my fun. The fact that Fun Fun, mm-hmm. a person and that we know, fun. was there, and the fact that you uh, pissed off uh, Mark's uh, girlfriend were are not, none of those things are related. No, directly. those are those are all in the same day. The yeah. only they thing that's related the is they was happened consecutively. Yeah. Well, you and Jessica are fine now. We're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's it's fun. good. Yeah. It's her fun too. Uh huh. Yeah. We can, we can have fun <laughs> together. This has gotten really weird. Really I fast. know. No, I mean I'm tired. You're getting me on a tired day, so you're cool. gonna get nothing but the truth. That's great. Do you so, wanna do you wanna give yourself a little intro, Ben? Well, my name is Ben Sinclair and I work in television and uh, I am most well known for a show called High Maintenance that I make, which is currently in its fourth season on HBO. Congratulations. Thank job, you. Buddy. Thank you. Wow. It's a fine show. Thank you. It's Mm. really a lot of work. And I'm hoping for a hiatus. Whoa. Yeah. Well, you do stuff like this when Uh, you're not working. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you keep dropping puns like that. You will get your hiatus. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I mean, the title is a pun, High Maintenance. There's There's a couple of puns, actually, but we don't have to go into that. No, no. Okay. Because uh, we're here to talk about something else. <clears throat> well, kind of something else. I guess it's kind of all related in a certain way. It's uh, every corner of my life is infested with this show. <laughs> so, like, if you're talking to me, it's about that show, uh-huh. technically. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about the overlap for sure. Okay. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, so, but to, to sort of back up a little bit, uh, at least chronologically, uh, we tend to ask people sort of if there were any moments in sort of youth or adolescence where uh, they got into trouble or just felt bad about something where they had really just over, over exaggerated lied outright or deceived people um, about something that they knew, you know, to get something else or to get through something. And is there, you know, is there a defining moment in your life that you feel it matches that? Well, I should start by saying that, I have lied a countless amount of times in my life. Just, you know, a, a lot of hyperbole is already happening in my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, my dad, like, accepted a box from me. Uh, and he's like, Ben, this box is full of broken glass. <laughs> and then I contacted the person who sent me the box. And I'm like, you should have packed it better. And then there was one piece of broken glass out of, like, 13 glass things so (laughs) he's hyperbolic and um there's one incident that comes to mind for which i still receive a lot of uh a lot of tourists from my family which is that i brought a 
a knife to school in kindergarten, <laughs> like a serrated bread knife. <laughs> uh, and I hid it in my uh, sock. I remember trying to bring two knives to school, bef- knives to school before that. On two sock. separate occasions. Two separate occasions. Kept getting caught with the knives. And then the third time I made it through. No, wait, hold on. I just want to <laughs> back up a second. Mm-hmm. So you get caught. The, how did you get caught the first time? The first time it was in my backpack and she was like putting my lunch in my backpack uh. and saw a little steak knife in there. Oh, so that's a more serious knife. Yeah. And when I say she, I mean her. Yeah. Yeah. The, that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, For sure. Uh, so that's number one. Yeah. So clearly you smartened up for number two. Yeah. I realized it had to be on my person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I put it in my sock on the anterior side of my right ankle. Were you wearing shorts or long S- pants? Pants. Okay. Jeans. Okay. And, uh, I remember brandishing the knife on, do you remember at Desert Shadows Elementary? I only went to middle oh, yeah, school. Oh yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, where those like. Uh, uh, demi sphere like uh, Bucky, like they basically like half of a Buckminster Fuller. Oh yeah, yeah, thing like a like a geodesic dome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh yeah, like a climber. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the the kids were hanging out. It was me and two two or three other people. I took out the knife. I'm like, yo, this knife is from World War Two. <laughs> <laughs> My grandfather. Got this knife in World War Two, and now it's mine. <laughs> he brought this butter knife. Wow. It was a, yeah, it was a bread knife, really. Bread knife. And uh, and then I remember these two, the 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 recess uh, whistle blew, and these two girls uh, showed up behind me, and I. Turned around and I was like, ah, <laughs> holding this knife. And then they screamed and ran away. And then I realized I was fucked <laughs> after that. And then uh, while being disciplined, I kind of um, blacked out. I re- like I remember oh. coming to throughout the day and be like, all right, now I'm in this office and everyone's pissed at me. Now I'm in this place and everyone's pissed at me. And then... Uh, you know the punishment for that was not so extreme, so I can I continued uh, I continued getting away with all sorts of fibs. You know I'm the youngest of four, so but you didn't really get away with. I mean, am I arrested? Am I dead? No, I mean now you'd be like in federal prison. Yes, yeah, thought, like, exactly. A, yeah, knife to school like this. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Different times then, though. Different times. Simpler if Facebook times. <laughs> were around, social media, I would not be with you here today. Oh, we'd all be gone. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. pretty certain that most people I know, including me, would we would have been canceled long ago. I don't know what I'd be doing. <laughs> also, I'm just impressed that you were able to like smuggle a knife in your sock and not wound yourself. It took three times. You know, By yeah. the time I was doing it, I was knowing what to look for. Also, it was a bread knife. Uh, so I guess those are pretty sharp yeah, still. Serrated yeah. edge. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Do more damage. Yeah, you turned you're your right. heel the wrong way. It's, right. it's the right. World you're War II right. part. Did anyone believe you? Yeah. They totally yeah. did. They totally yeah. did. Because you... it had a wooden, ha- it had a very weathered wooden handle. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's been used a lot in your kitchen at home yes. to cut bread. I mean, that makes a little bit more, I mean, how old were you? Kindergarten. Kindergarten. So okay, so at that, five? I mean, at that yeah. age, like the... You know, the barrier between fantasy and reality is very porous anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like anyone was going to be like World War II, A. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what kind of wood is this in the handle? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Ax- uh, Axis or allies? Like, yeah. what, what are yeah. we talking about yeah. here? Uh, but did you, do you have any recollection of like what you wanted out of that? Uh, you like, know, why'd you do it? Like, I, uh, well, I wanted to, I, I'm the youngest of four. I think attention getting was a big deal for me and choosing whether or not to follow in the footsteps of my older siblings uh, and choosing an identity that, uh, you know, they got positive attention for being, you know, the obvious things like getting good grades and uh, their identities were uh, kind of centered around 
being smart and safe choices to get attention. By the time it came to me, all of the safe identities were taken and I had to take the crazy, I had to be like the rabble rouser. I had to, (laughs) I had to, uh, I felt like the only thing was available to me that would get me attention was shock and Mm -hmm. uh, provocation. So I kind of got used to it and I was a baby and and really cute too. So (laughs) I I was able to get away with it more often than not. It goes a long way. Don't worry about that with my son. He's very, he's very adorable and I don't know what he's capable of getting away with, with me. Yeah. I mean, he's already gotten away with basically everything. Maybe I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm totally lost. I mean, don't you think that at some point, like Lonnie will be oh sorry i said your son's name on the podcast that's okay okay i mean like you know at some point right lonnie will be you'll you'll be out with your friends or or some other people and lonnie will do something Mm -hmm. and then you know you'll probably see a look between two other people who'll be like Mm huh like you know and then at that point you'll be able to see his behavior through someone else's eyes and go like maybe you shouldn't be doing that yeah well or i'll tell him and discipline him in front of others it'll be embarrassing yeah traumatizing a, a real scene for him yeah then he can talk about it on his own podcast, which will certainly exist mm-hmm. in the 20 years time. Well, it's cheaper than to... therapy, I guess. I guess. Well, that's what we're doing here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, to move along a, a little bit, um, I want to ask you about, uh, you got you got your own show now, and uh, it's not your own show, but uh, um, it's... What are you trying to say? Well, <laughs> a lot of people come together to make fair, something. Fair, fair, well, fair. But you're a, but, co- a co-creator of, uh, of the yes. show that but has gone one, through several different iterations. Of course, at of one course, time, you course. were uh, uh, an actor uh, looking for gigs, and I want to know about kind of that experience. We've had guests who've talked about kind of the world of... Uh, you know, tryouts and, and, and rehearse, or not rehearsals, um, like, you know, uh, getting auditions, auditions, getting, thank you. (laughs) Not an actor. You know, Uh, in the room, you're in the room with the people in the room with the people doing the thing, but for pretend, um, was there, uh, or, you know, can you recall like any sort of pivotal, uh, uses of deception or, or faking it that were, uh, tied to that, you know, well, that time in your life and, and, and those kinds of, you know, you want, it's like you want the job, so you'll do maybe what, what it takes, you know, like. Can I tell you, uh, it doesn't answer your question, but it piggybacks off of it. The, when I started doing better at auditioning and actually getting parts was when I stopped lying and was trying to be most my, the most myself I could be. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it had to do with, sorry, my phone. It's okay. Uh, a lot of it had to do with growing this beard, actually. Really? This beard was a big uh, big uh, turning point for me in my acting career. For, for, for people who, who don't know, Ben has a pretty sizable beard. Yes. Yeah. It's kinky uh, in that. It's you know, full of kinks. Yeah, it's yes. full of kinks. Curls. Yeah, baby. Oof. Shagadelic. <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it just, the beard kind of matched my insides more than a clean-shaven face did. Uh, I just was very honest about kind of what a mess I am. Uh, and how I'm a stoner and how I really, you know, as soon as I stopped trying to make sure my nails were clean and doing all these things that I would only do if I were trying to get a job, uh, then uh, once I stopped that, then everything kind of fell into place. Do you think it's because so many of the, you know, sort of other competitors for those roles were laying it on really thick you know trying to please everyone and sort of just like be everything to everybody sure they were i think there's a trap for actors that they think that being general and like the best version of like a leading man like so many actors want to be leading men and women which is more generally conventionally attractive or what have you but I'm not going to be that guy. Yeah. I never was going to be that person. So 
as soon as I was like, well, you should put me in the box of homeless guy or <laughs> wild eyed guy or like strange guy, then that everyone could agree. Yeah, that's a good box for you. So it takes a little bit of self-reflection, but also like the truth is like while I do have uh, a temper and I have like, uh, you know, foibles that are connected to anger i wouldn't call it anger itself but like shadows of anger that course through me daily uh i <laughs> i uh, threatening to burst through at, at any moment unpredictably well volat- they're just shadows we're, they're staying shadows what I, I could call it volatility well uh in my worst days i'm volatile uh i do think that i'm not angry guy and i'm not homeless guy well i know that you have a home so yeah i have a home but uh i was willing to let people put me in the box uh Mm -hmm. which ultimately is how people find their niche Mm -hmm. yeah so so when you say that it seems to me and maybe i'm just asking for clarification or or something like it, it that there's some gray area between how you're like, oh, well, this is the guy I am. You know, I'm not trying, you know, I should just stop trying to be a leading man because I'm not going to, that's like not, that's not me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not my personality and that's not my look or, or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, that's not my affect. Like, but, you know, you're also not completely insane. I mean, do you feel like you were playing into what the image what other people's first impression or image of you was or, or is at that moment rather than being, I mean, because, you know, obviously we're, we're all more than mm-hmm. people's first impressions of us. Um, do, are you saying that this is like kind of your way of being authentic or your way of playing into other people's idea of what authenticity might be for you? The latter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely the latter. I have a, I, you know, there's this thing that Boris Johnson does mm-hmm. where he purposely ruffles his yeah. hair up before he goes out. Yeah. yeah. And it's worked and it's worked out great for him. I mean it's on top of the he's world. Prime Minister of UK. He it didn't it didn't get him nowhere. Mm. You know mm. what I mean? Uh there is something you I think we talked about this about our mutual friend Adam once about how he said that the first page of Finnegan's Wake is like instructing the reader how to read the book, which is what form is or something like that. Yeah, which is right. Yeah, which is right. And I think people are the same way. Mm -hmm. I think you teach people how to take you in. Mm -hmm. And it is a little bit of manipulation. Mm -hmm. And... um, by my beard and by my, uh, you know, uh, unkempt eyebrows and uh, kind of uh, forthcoming stoner vibe. Uh, is that right? Not, sure. Not forthcoming. Not forthcoming. It'll say amiable. Amiable stoner vibe. I am, in a way, manipulating the person into, in some ways, letting me off the hook. Uh, for some uh, social teas, like I can just wake up a word social teas. I'm not because, even gonna stop you. Yeah, I'm not even gonna ask what it means. Me. And uh, there's generally an understanding that oh, he's gonna be like that because that's how he is. Uh, and I'm definitely uh, not trying to be conventional. So people see me, they're like, "This is gonna be non-conventional," and I'm like, "Great." Yeah. How did that? How did that affect? Once you, um, maybe even before the web series happened, like how did that affect sort of selling the show? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's like a different role. You're not trying to, you know, get the part. You're trying to sell the show. Well, that's even more interesting because selling my character is uh, directly related to the scarcity for which he is on the screen, because. The early versions of the pilot episode of the web series had a backstory for him, and mm. it had a uh, like a expositional 
uh, thing in it that we were like, this is bullshit and not fun to watch. And when we realized that letting the audience uh, fill in the blanks about his backstory and who he was and where he comes from was much more interesting than anything that we were going to make up. So we kind of started working with negative space uh, in the audience's imagination at that point. Yeah. And that was a big aha moment about like, um, I was talking, you know, the short story, not uh, writer, Edgar carrot, mm-hmm. uh, Israeli, yeah. Israeli guy. I have recently become friendly with him and he was talking to me about when he was writing his brevity of his stories are, yeah. are in- insane. Yeah. And he was like, well, when you say, like, the woman is blonde, before that, the audience can, it can be whatever you want her hair to be. Yeah. But as soon as you say blonde, you limit everything. You kick all of the other possibilities out. Yeah. And something about that was, like, the idea of giving information as, like, a constraint yeah. was uh, way more interesting to think of it like that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I remember that was one of the first things that I think made me think I could be good at like, like reading literature mm-hmm. it was like having one of those negative space sort of realizations about like the Scarlet Letter or something when I was like in middle school or mm-hmm. whatever, where it sort of like dawned on me that I was like, oh, like Hawthorne isn't really telling you much about what like this or that actually looks like, mm-hmm. but I know what it looks like. Yeah. Um, of course I don't like, I'm just sort of letting my imagination do that work. But that's cool. It, it is. And you know, I was like, and you know, I'm teaching right now in one of my classes, uh, Kazuo Ishiguro's never let me go, which is a great novel. And, um, the first time I read it, I was just so blown away and I knew there was a movie and I didn't want to watch it for whatever reason. And I saw someone that I know tweet something that like her daughter had read the novel and then her the, the mother had been like, well, you know, there's a movie too. And the daughter had said something like, well, I don't want to read it. I don't want to watch it because I want these characters to be like who they are for me. And I was like, oh, that's so smart. And then because I'm an idiot, I watched the movie anyway, <laughs> which is not good. Um, it's okay. It's, uh, this is not a podcast about that. It, can, it will be very no. quickly <laughs> if you fucking uh, <laughs> dig in on this, Gabe. Um, and then I read it again because uh, I was teaching it and i was just i was mad at myself because i was like now i can't now i just see kira knightley mm-hmm. um and andrew garfield and i don't really want to um because the novel is so full of those things mm-hmm. i think that's like an incredibly powerful aesthetic experience like that the thing of like silence blank spaces not knowing creating room for the reader to and the viewer whoever to to actually inhabit the thing. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying, to go back to what you were saying earlier, is that like, you know, you're, you're kind of like bringing that out into your life as of, well. Of course, yes. I mean, if I only show you a pot dealer, which is what I play on the show, if you only show a pot dealer who's being really kind to people, you're going to assume that that person is kind all the time, maybe, based mm. on that evidence. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then it would, as we went deeper into the show and as I uh, sometimes felt a little, uh, not resentful, but a little like uh, uh, unsure about just having this monk-like uh, character who could only do well, I wanted to insert moments of anger and a divorce and... Uh, and more things that were more true to the messiness of a human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we did that and people were like, yeah, even better that he's just fallible or what have you. Uh-huh. And then and then I was like, oh, OK, this is if like, you know, so much of the show is is ripped from the headlines of our lives as we make it. Um, and. The headlines, I mean, in the experience of me is lived out in the people the guy delivers to less so than the guy. Although the guy and I have been merging more every season. Mm, do you think that's coming from both directions? Like you're writing him more as yourself, but also becoming more guy-like? I mean, what's the, what's the dynamic there? What's the dialectic? Well, I have found 
I can break down the... I have done it for TV for... This is our fourth season. I have done three years that have a very cyclical, seasonal nature. Around January, the show usually comes out. So I'm working on editing and and trying to make it very palatable by January, February. Then we do some press and I hear feedback about how the episodes did and then around May and uh, yeah May, uh, sorry March and April and early May that is uh, exploratory time for me mm-hmm. that is me purposely putting myself in situations purposely asking people deep details about their lives mm-hmm. and me collecting information and inspiration right so so that's the I mean that's the r- real question then yeah. right yeah. like i mean that's the way in which the guy has has entered you yes exactly it, i am going people want to tell me everything and that is it's not by design but i'm certainly capitalizing on it uh-huh i mean it's so funny because like you know if you knew that i guess you only say the things that you want people to know or would be comfortable with other people knowing but like my instinct would be like, oh, this guy, like, I can't tell, I can't say anything in front of this guy. Like, he could put it on TV or write it into a script. I guess that's maybe a little bit. Sure, but people really want that, too. I mean. Well, yeah, I guess so. I guess that's true. I mean, I think the thing that I think is interesting about this is that the character is someone who uh, enters into people's lives in this kind of tangential way, not necessarily in a deep way. Sometimes they're friends, mm-hmm. but a lot of times they're just, you know, a customer and there'll be maybe a moment of discomfort or just some kind of like, we're not really friends, but I'm hanging out and mm. the, you're going to get into your thing and, and I'm going to make it, you know, sort of lubricate the situation as best as I can mm-hmm. while still having some sort of authenticity to say maybe, you know, have mm-hmm. an opinion about something. Sure. But then, but then you, you, what you're telling us is that there's this interesting reflection of that where in your own life, you're going out to kind of like do the same thing to be like tell For me sure. your, tell me your story like For less it. savory things. And I, and I you know not less savory in that like uh it feels like hunting a little bit. Yeah. It feels like uh trying to find the thing that lights me up uh and trying to put myself in spontaneous situations which, which is inherently not spontaneous. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There is this weird uh, Schrodinger's cat thing where I'm I'm not sure if uh, or an uncertainty principle mm-hmm. where I'm not sure if me observing mm-hmm. the 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 subject is affecting the subject or not. Sure. I mean, yeah. do you find yourself sort of um, doing things to make yourself less less sort of visible or less yourself in those situations? Two years now, I have shaved my beard at the end of shooting. Ah. Uh, and that's that's a fascinating thing because the rest of the year I can sense when somebody sees me yeah. and because a people are bad at hiding it <laughs> and b like you can just feel it and to feel the just just drastic drop off of yeah. that attention uh, and it's just because this fucking beard uh, to feel that really makes me. It's exciting because it it makes people uh, seem it's kind of dumb to like get nervous around somebody just because you saw an image of them. Just you know what I mean? I just it's not very it's not very clever. Uh, (laughs) But I think think it does have something to do with like the way that the character and you say the character is in some ways a reflection or some kind of a, a lens through which to see you it's like the character is like this kind of bartender right like yes. they're kind of like like tell me your tell me your problems fella yeah you know and that that what's interesting about that is that people may want that from you and that's what you're kind yeah. of saying right like when people do recognize you what well, what's the difference like when people do recognize you do they try to sort of throw themselves and say like oh i got a great story like we're already friends it's usually it's a, usually a feeling of friends but it seems more like a a typical 
celebrity sighting experience where a person is like, hey, I really... It's just one of uh, gratitude, Mm -hmm. I think, coming from both ends, where it's like, hey, I really love your work a lot. The thing that I hear the most is like, been watching you since the web series. <laughs> been with you since YouTube, man. And I'm like, it was on Vimeo. It was but I hear you. on Vimeo. They're like, great. We're like, we're big fans. Can I take a picture of you? I'm like, yeah. What's my real name? And then they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but wait, now hold on. That I mean, in a certain way, like, you know, obviously, you know, that's an unfair question in, in some way. Yeah, no, that's for but, fun. Yeah, no, I know. But but it it is interesting because of what you had said before, right? I mean... I mean, if you are using the imperative of the show where you have to draw from or where you're going to draw from your life Mm -hmm. in order to create something new, I mean, you're involving them, you know, even if you are, quote unquote, being yourself, right, you are still approaching them as like the creative entity behind the show and the character in the show, right? I mean, like... Sure, but also I'm... He's aspirational, like I said to you earlier i think before the talk like he is a non-judgmental merciful uh version of me who is still very much working on those foibles Mm -hmm, in myself Mm -hmm. i i like it is kind of this fake it until you make it thing which is like yeah, I'll pretend to be the best version of myself and maybe one day I actually will step into those shoes. Yeah. And maybe people treating me like that will reinforce that attitude of like, actually, maybe this is not worth... Like, I don't want to be angry in public Yeah. because of this character. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to see me yeah. having mm-hmm. a bad day Yeah. or people to see me... Uh, you know, freaking out on anybody, or to yell at someone who approaches you, or to be yeah. mean to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I will say I've, you know, when when we've been out, I, people usually at least one person will come up and say hello, and they're usually very polite and very brief. And then, but every once in a while, there's someone where I'm like, I would not be as nice as you're being to this person yeah. who is overstepping some boundaries. Yeah, well. They're idiots. <laughs> no, they're. I mean, I understand it. It's because I under. I've seen it enough times where people kind of short circuit. If they're a big enough fan, they're short circuit, and they're they're in a trance. Mm-hmm. You know, television, a lot of entertainment, music, even is a trance. It puts you in a trance state mm-hmm. lightly. So these people are not. Uh, act, they're not thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, now I want to know about. Again, to go back to something you had said earlier, you, you, you had said you kind of put yourself in these situations, right? Knowing yes. that you're going to use, like, what, come on, like, what are some of the, like, what are some things you've done that you've... Like, <clears throat> one time, this is another fun, fun Did you story. get a job? <laughs> Did you get a job? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hi, fun, fun. One time, uh, our... We should say that fun, fun is a friend. That is her name. Friend, her name friend. is fun, fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fun Fun uh, and Chris and I and Elizabeth mm-hmm. were going to a Paradise Garage party in Williamsburg. Uh-huh. And it was like kind of a rebirth of this old dance party yeah. from the yeah, 70s, fun. 80s. Yeah, sounds fun. Double double fun. Uh, I We were all in line and, and uh, Chris... Uh, offered us all stuff something yeah something and Mm -hmm. we all took something and then it turned out there were not enough tickets to go so chris was i was like it's fine i'll just i had already taken the thing and i was like i'm just gonna go walk around now and then i just would go up to people and they'd be like hey you're the guy i'm like all right where are we going (laughs) let's go and then i just kind of let people take me around and that experience has happened uh a similar experience it doesn't happen a lot but it has happened sometimes where i'm just like i'm going to let you recognize me and then i'm going to i'm going to make you show me something Mm -hmm. yeah uh and so there's that there's also um just asking strangers a lot of questions i ask uh homeless people a lot of questions <coughs> like i will they'll 
ask for money i'll be like can i get you something to eat Mm -hmm. and then they're like sure and then i'll go buy something to eat and while they're eating i'll be like hey where where are you coming from what's happening Mm -hmm. um is that something that you before you were recognizable from a TV show, is that something that you had that impulse before? Is that something that a like, little kind bit. of thing that you might do? Yeah, I've never, uh, I've never been uh, like you know some sort of uh, man about the town, like socialite or whatever, just asking everybody about everything and trying to know everyone's name. But there, there was a, a willingness to kind of. Uh, to go there yeah. with, with a complete stranger that was present, but I was probably a little more self-interested and self-involved at that time. Now my self-involvement has required me to be less self-involved. <laughs> uh, it's a win-win. Yeah. So uh, I think it is like this kind of weird paradox where uh, I am I, hungry for uh for external uh information while also battling like uh ego stuff too mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. ego stuff i would define the ego as anything that separates you from the great totality anything where you're like i am my likes my dislikes anything like that is all ego based and i think a little bit of is is good uh, but uh, the common person in today's culture has has a hundred times more than you probably need. Yeah, and I probably have a thousand times more than you. <laughs> but there is this thing where I do feel separate a little bit because of this, because of the show, because of the being observed, because of this. In, in the public space. So I do think that there is me trying to level the playing, balance it back out again. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what's interesting about your approach, like your creative approach is that it's, I mean, at least in terms of how it relates to like our subject is that many creative people think they know everything mm-hmm. and they want to tell their story mm-hmm. to the world. Like it's completely ego, you know, in mm-hmm. that sense, like I've got a compelling story to tell about uh you know communism in the 80s and through relationships with you know a couple and how that's going to sort of tell us about america like that's my that's my project and that's great Mm -hmm. whereas it seems like yours is about sort of disappearing you know and, and absorbing like really being a sponge for real things that other people can tell you or that you can sort of absorb in this way and then you know put out through the prism of your writing and, and creative process. But the truth of the matter is though, and that while that ideally I would love for this situation to be just that the situation is more that I'm taking my feelings and borrowing people's skin and their situations mm. and couching an emotion, an experience, a, a situation that I'm going through and using the perspective of somebody else and marrying the two together. Mm. So that is, that's the dirty truth is that I am still very self-involved and I am using these other people's uh, situations and and, and uh, skin so that I don't uh, so that I that I look like a gr- uh, gracious and, and <laughs> it's gonna be really awesome when we find out that you have in fact been killing and skinning people and yeah. wearing them uh, <laughs> and that's that's how the show gets the clues yes, the, exactly. the clues were there the whole time yeah, we talked about it all the time saying it. Um, okay, uh, let, let, let's take a quick break, and then we're, and then we're going to come back uh, and, uh, and continue our conversation with Ben Sinclair. All right, and we are back. Um, Is there going to be an ad for Casper mattresses God, or something I like that? It's going to be hilarious because it's just going to be us chatting about <laughs> hey, how Gabe. amazing. Have you ever had a bad night's sleep? Yeah. Uh, no. I sure have <laughs> until now. Yeah. I would I would, I would. would kill for a Casper mattress ad. Or Lisa. 
or whatever. I don't whatever care. They or, are. They also I'm wearing have... these Bomba socks, which oh, I've Bomba heard socks. about mm. only on podcasts. How are they? They're very comfortable. I'm trying to think. I don't think I have any podcast only. I bought some pillows from a podcast. They were called like Boogie or something (laughs) like that. (laughs) That sounds right. Yeah. That checks out. (laughs) Yeah. Zip recruiter. Yeah. 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 All your hiring needs. Um, Okay. So I I, kind of wanted to return to to a, a sort of thing that I'd asked before, but like to talk about, you know, your creative process is about sort of uh, maybe blurring the lines between yourself and, and your interests and people you talk to. And, but then there's this other aspect of the show where at some point you had to sell it. You had to like go mm-hmm. to talk to studio executives at HBO where you landed and also probably at other places. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if like that was an interesting experience, you know, much like a job interview where you had to kind of like inhabit a persona or try not to be yourself. I don't know. Like, were there experiences like that that you encountered? I think that uh, selling the show, I really took some of my audition technique, which was strip away the artifice and give these people, like, a show of yourself. Yeah. Uh, I do think I give good meeting. Yeah. And... But for that, so, but, so gross. I hate it. I'm just yeah, gonna skip over that. But that, but for that reason, because you are sort of like no unfiltered yeah. in some way. Yeah. yeah, there's. But it's also it's a the filter is unfiltered. Like yeah. that is like uh, you know that is it. It is more calculated than than it is uh, extemporary. extemporized 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 improvisational yeah i mean ad hoc there was we had a brief deal with fx and it was clear when we were pitching there that the woman didn't hadn't watched the show Mm -hmm. and then we went with them anyway because our agents told us it was a good idea even though we knew it was a bad thing and it was i've had some very awkward interviews yeah uh or meetings and, uh, you know, I do think that the, the corporatization of high maintenance did corrupt uh, some of the wildness that people were attracted to at the beginning of the sh- making the show. Uh, but there was this kind of uh, we're, we're still making the show in a bit of a bubble. I don't think uh, we've never had an HBO executive on our set. Yeah. Not once in four years. And... There is this kind of like them not that group of people not wanting to touch what we're doing at all. But, you know, definitely like when I'm in L.A., I'll go out on the water bottle couch tour (laughs) and uh, and I'll do I'll do Ben Sinclair slash the guy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. I'm not inhabiting it i am i am performing it mm-hmm. yeah but what you're not doing i mean it, that 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 to me is pretty fascinating because what you're not doing is stepping out of that completely and being like all right we know this character you know but i'm like a real common sense guy here and we're making a show and like let's talk you know let's talk turkey there is that though there is there okay. is that there yeah. is like the the idea is that they're getting the person who made the web series. Yeah. And that's the selling point, right? Yes, like this, that's the, the web series nature of it that we the garage band nature of it is like kind of the one of the most interesting parts about it. Yeah. And uh you know like now that I know how to make like an actual union TV show, I I like I can talk shop Right. Like, re- and go real in depth with stuff, with uh, co- uh, showmakers. But at the end of the day, people want to hear like me, you know, trail off and like, <laughs> you know, make words like extemporary and whatnot, because like that, it it it's the box that I uh, am letting them put me in mm-hmm. and showing them the box. Yeah, I mean, I think that what's what's interesting about that to me also is that like that's your sort of defense mechanism in a certain way too. You're like, I want to make 
the the art that I want to make. Yes. And so in order to do that, the way through is for you to like, you have to accept this, mm-hmm. this version of this. If that per, if that version of this is talking, is trailing off and doing the character a little bit mm-hmm. or talking shop and like actually knowing mm-hmm. your shit. Like, um, I think that like probably a lot of meetings are people totally dissembling and be, being a completely different person than they are. And being like, oh, I, I know. I know what you want. You want this. And then they give some version of the, their artistic vision that they think will match what the person is asking for. But the truth is that the real kind of um, defense mechanism is I, I ask people personal questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I like needle my way in there. It's not relentless. It's with like a soft touch. Mm-hmm. But... I do ask people in a business meeting of like, how are you doing? Actually, you got two kids. Oh, that <laughs> you know, like I, I talk about like, hey, like you feel good about being a dad? Like, I'll, say, I'll say that. Don't you feel like you're just, you know, you have these kids and the, you know, the, the ice caps are melting and God knows what the next 40 years are going to yeah. look like and. You know, and I mean, is it even ethical at this point? To, totally. You know, it's completely you know, ethical. Yeah. It's an amazing yeah. thing. Gabe? You'll, you'll never understand. <laughs> I, I met a, an assistant director that I was working with for the first time. And within like three minutes of meeting, we were talking about his recent divorce and how he's mm. got one kid and how he doesn't know if it's going to be okay. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't feel like it's going to be okay, but it's okay. <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay. We're all here. Yeah. 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 It's um, like, congratulations. <laughs> do you have a, because you have to cast your show, like, do you have a kind of a filter through which you do castings? Um, because you have your yourself, you have experience as an actor. You are an actor. Um, are you looking for people to get real in that in the way? This that is you're this is about? this is just Gabe trying to get on yeah, your show yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah, it's like, like what, do you, what, what do you need a guy what, with glasses yeah, or like, what? What about like just a guy who lives in Brooklyn <laughs> and like you know has a small podcast? I, <laughs> a lot of times we're casting and. I'll watch them read the line. This was in the past more than the present. Now I'm like, all right, these are the auditions. And I pretty much try to go off my gut feeling about a person first. Like I try to really capture my initial impressions of somebody because that's, you don't have much time on my show. Like your initial impression on that tape is probably going to be the same on our other tape. You know what I mean? I'm not looking for somebody to completely change their personality. Yeah. It's always like capturing what's already there. So I, you know, we do this thing less these days, but I would just be like, just ask the person questions about themselves and have them talk. Uh, And if there was a big gulf between the person just talking normally and how they read the lines, I'm way less attracted to it Mm -hmm. because I'm looking for somebody who can just be themselves as much as possible because we don't have time to create a character. We don't, this isn't the Joker. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, has anyone ever shown up and been like, I lost 30 pounds for this audition. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're like, um, like, Here's an example. Like one of our characters who plays a sick person on the show, we wanted to go use them again and they got even sicker uh, in real life. They were playing a person who was sick on our show, but in real life they got even sicker. Oh. And we were like, all right, heal up and come on the show next year because... You can't fake that. <laughs> like, you can fake it, but, yeah. you know, not in our timeline. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny, like, thinking about... It just seems like such kind of whiplash, thinking about the ways in which, like, in your life, the the character you, quote-unquote, I guess at this point, are so enmeshed in some way, and that there's this back and forth where, you know, even when... You're just out in the world. You you are thinking in the back of your head, mm-hmm. is this going to be material, yeah. right? And then having to kind of set up the most artificial situation ever, an audition, um, mm-hmm. in order to try to strip away 
something that would be there anyway if that person weren't auditioning, right? There's this mm-hmm. kind of like Hall of Mirrors effect yeah. where everyone is just trying to erect enough boundaries so that they can get to the place where there aren't any. Yes, it's true. It's very, it's, the, I, I have learned about myself and I'm not judging it, but I do prefer complex relationships. I mm-hmm. prefer complexity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every time I'm like banging myself over the head over not having enough great boundaries or this or that, I'd be like, well, you just, this is just how you like it. <laughs> uh, but like there have been moments, there have been times where I will write a character thinking about a person in my mind. And then that person has to audition for themselves, <laughs> which is so weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't always get it. Yeah. And, and there are times when I'm like, wow, like I need your help writing this. But, like, I need somebody who understands continuity and understands to put a glass down in the same place every time and all that shit. Mm -hmm. So that's very strange. And the other one is, like, having the the constant writer in the back of my mind. Like, there are moments where I know that I have to show up and be present uh, for a friend or for a family member, but I know going into it that this is going to be an episode. So, yeah, mm. talk about that a little bit when you're entering into like a, 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 a ser- you know, not necessarily like a, a serious series, but like a real situation in which you're like, I've got to, I've got to show up or, you know, this is some kind of obligation, even if it's like an emotional obligation where you feel like you've got to be there, so, where you're, where you're also like, but maybe like I can a great this. example is in season three, the last episode, the ninth episode ends. It, it depicts uh, a, f- a friend of the guys from high school, a couple who knew the guy in high school who are coming to New York to Sloan Kettering to put their child through chemo. Mm. Uh, that is based on people, you know, yeah. uh, from high school. Yeah. And, the day that I visited them for the first time and had pretty much the experience that was depicted on screen, mm-hmm. I was biking around with my writer's assistant and a notepad that each of us had, and we were just biking around from Brooklyn to Manhattan and just looking for things. Mm-hmm. We were like mm-hmm. eavesdropping and taking notes about what we saw and playing music while we rode around to get a good idea of bike montage music. And like, it was truly like, let's go fishing. Let's, let's see what we get. Mm-hmm. And I knew at the end of that trip that we were going to Sloan Kettering. Yeah. Uh, so I brought my writer's assistant with me into the room and I had a discussion that very closely matches the discussion that we have in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I was telling the person people, I'm like, this is going to be a story on the show. And I'm pretty, and I would say I'm, 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 I exceed at letting people know my motivations going into it. I think that's one of the things that actually you get that I use in uh, meetings as well. That's how I give good meeting. Is that I uh, you, look? You've got to stop. Is that I? <laughs> is that I reveal my motivations to almost too much? It's almost an overshare of mm-hmm. me trying to tell people what I'm trying to get. I mean, do you think that that's some, well? I mean, first of all, like, what was their reaction? They were like, yeah, yeah. In, even in the midst of like the basically the most horrible thing you could imagine. Yeah, that they, they were, were like, going through. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think that is such a lonely experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think like, you know, like one of the people in that, uh, in that relationship didn't speak with me for years over some beef from high school. Mm-hmm. And they started speaking with me again when they saw my face on a bus when they were visiting New York City. <laughs> it may feel like a sign from God at that point. <laughs> well, yeah. It's so a new intimacy. <laughs> yes, exactly. So like you we were saying earlier in this conversation, people want it. Some some a good amount of people are not averse to it and in fact crave 
being seen. What do you think the people get from it, even though obviously it's going to be fictionalized, their names aren't going to be on it? No one who doesn't know who they are is going to know that it's them. Like, what are people getting out of this experience of, of having their story fictionalized and told? I guess, why not? I guess it's proximity to show business, which excites some people. Dude, you would not believe what parents will let happen to their children (laughs) to be in show business. So for that episode, I needed a kid with no hair, Mm -hmm. no eyebrows, Mm -hmm. no hair at all. And I have time restrictions with children so i have to get like triplets yeah. and shit like that to to make yeah. our day if one of them is fussy i need to change them out right because you can't have a, a child working more than x number of hours on exactly. a given set yeah so i got these two kids i won't say their last names but they but don't were like, even say their first names they were like <laughs> two kids they were like the i got these twins who they were like gonna shave their heads i'm like great great and then they sent us the picture and i'm like I said to the scalp, I said, I said, shave it all the way. And then they're like, we won't go anymore. And we won't do their eyebrows. And they're like, well, you just lost a fucking job for your kids. And I remember feeling like two days before we were shooting, I'm like, where, whose kids are we going to shave? Like, where are we going to shave these fucking kids' heads? And then like these triplets swung in at the last time. I'm like, oh, they're younger than I wanted them to be. But I'm like, they'll shave their eyebrows. And the parents are like, yeah. Yeah, so our so costume five person was later. Yeah, our costume person was shaving all these kids' heads and oh eyebrows God. off. Uh wow. and the parents and I just couldn't believe that I couldn't believe that their parents were letting this happen. But you had to believe I mean if it hadn't happened, you'd have no you wouldn't be able to do it. Well, to be fair, I mean, they didn't even shave their eyebrows well enough, and we had to VFX their eyebrows out anyway. <laughs> so, so, man, those. The episode cost $10 million. <laughs> One, yeah, $5 million in eyebrow. So, <laughs> you borrowed the Game of Thrones team just to do exactly. that. Exactly. Um, I mean, I think that. Um, <laughs> I, I think that it's like, you know, my experience that's closest to this is with interviewing people. It's that people want to. I mean, and you've been describing this sort of all along, is that you're a good listener. And you're a good question asker. And that, I think, is something that if you interview to any degree, like you realize that people want to talk. And if you don't talk, people fill the silence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is fascinating. And if they yeah. think that you're kind yeah. or open or are not exhibiting any judgment or obvious bias against them, I'm actually not. I mean, my partner is actually really good at this. Mm-hmm. And I think that she has a kind of like, magic when it comes to people where like everybody who she interviews you know the various techniques that are mostly unintentional she just sort of shows up and is like what's going on with you uh you know i'm late i'm really sorry or whatever it's just like the situation is real Mm -hmm. and people whether they're famous or regular or whatever they want to be heard Mm -hmm. because there's so little of that that goes on in real life um and that's an interesting thing, too, because being the interviewer, it's not faking it in the way that we talk about it usually, but mm. it is this kind of like disappearance of yourself. Well, I, I mean, you know, you I, know? I thought of, I've thought about this for so long because when I was doing the like academic job interview thing, like every interview is just so high pressure and you have like you're in this bizarre situation where you're in a hotel room talking to three strangers and it's all very regimented, but like... And you're three of six people in that hotel room in, in a well, row. Well, you're the only person, right? No, but in yeah. a row, like, yeah. it's sequential. Yeah, and, 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 you know, the question is always, you know, when people are talking about interview techniques in this situation, the question is always like, or to me, I always felt like the unasked question was, well, how much of yourself are you really supposed to put out there? And I, I am bad at like dissembling and putting on interview personality, whatever the fuck that is. And it's called giving good meeting. God. Um, And I, you know, I would come out of there and be like, I feel like I explained my ideas pretty clearly, but I also feel like I explained my ideas pretty clearly in the voice that I'm speaking in right now. And with the affect that I normally have. And like, I'm just trying my best not to swear. And, and (laughs) you know, things like that. 
it's always unclear to me when, or, or it remains unclear to me, the situations in which that mask is supposed to be utilized, right? I, I mean, I think it's what we were talking about earlier about negative space. I think it's giving people a, uh, a measured amount of information about yourself and letting them fill in what you omit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And based on how you present the other stuff, they will put positive or negative uh, information in the negative space. Mm-hmm. 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 So I think it is about discipline and control when you're in those situations about being like, all right, I'm I'm going to shut up now and mm-hmm. let you do the rest of the work here. Yeah. Is, is there ever a time where you're... Um, either collecting sort of like just through life experience people's stories or you're actually writing and sort of like telling a story that you've decided is going to be part of um, your work that you you hit a wall and you feel like, I don't know if I can tell this story. I don't know oh, that I yes. can. And has that ever like been sort of terminal? Like have you ever like abandoned something? Oh, yes. Yeah. There are tons of dead ends. I would say are if you can map out our conversations into a two-dimensional graph, it would be tons. It would look like a, a duck's vagina. It would just be <laughs> full of... What? <laughs> what is a duck's vagina? A duck's vagina is labyrinthine <laughs> at, the, at the least because, whatever, because of rape in the duck community and these corkscrew penises. We really got to do something about it. Have all these twists and turns. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I think, for example, there was a story I wanted to do this year. And, and uh, I wanted to explore how as a white passing, I say white passing because I'm Jewish, but like I'm a white guy, uh, with now money and his own platform, mm-hmm. how to tell other people's stories when the order of the day is to just hire other people to tell their own stories. Right. But still, I have this show that I would love to share my point of view, but at the moment, there's not a lot of interest in the point of view of a white person in power, a white male in power especially. So... I wanted to explore that very thing in the show and watch a white guy in power struggle yeah. with how to act in 2019. And I really wanted to try to tell that story. And every time I wrote it, it would come out a little sour. It just gave people a little weird feeling where they're like, it was very like, and it and and maybe it was the way it was written, and because I was in like a, a kind of stop and start place where I didn't know whether I was a good person or not. Yeah. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. because I was just trying to uh, figure out how to act, and uh, I eventually abandoned all that stuff because we were in the midst of figuring. We're still in the midst of figuring sure. out how to gracefully navigate that space. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I just don't feel I. I just remember thinking like maybe one day, but not today. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. well, may, we can get back to this with a little more force, a uh, uh, little more hindsight mm-hmm. in yeah. the future. Yeah. Well, and what about and what about like the, those other stories, like stories of other people's identities? Has have there been occasions where you're like, we can't actually do this? Like, oh yeah, there's not... dude. I would say a lot of my experience is surrounding myself with people who are very comfortable telling me no. Yeah. And I have a lot of of people because I'm a I, in Yiddish they call it a kachlefer, a pot stirrer. I I stir the pot. I yeah. said at the beginning of this and I have a bunch of people who gauge the 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 consideration and the sensitivity of and uh, ramifications of just letting my mouth go like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, we're really happy to have you here before you just get completely cast out of polite society and, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and you stir that pot just a out. little too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, it's a stew, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. It is a stew. It's a stew. And 
We're either going to get warm and sip it together <laughs> or we're going to let it go rancid. <sighs> what was your favorite rancid song, guys? Well, it was Ruby probably uh, Down uh, uh, down by the State House. Is that the name of the song? On I, Life Won't Wait? I don't know. I feel like this is a trick question because I don't know any rancid songs. Yeah, it's, it's definitely so something on... Them is oh, answer. Heart of Gold was a pretty good one. That's... I think that's a good one. The uh, Black Hawk Down is good too. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Heart of Gold. <laughs> Thanks for coming on our podcast. Thanks, Ben. Don't you know? So on your mark, stand by. Ready, go. From London to New York, Montreal to Tokyo. I say, visions of home. Everywhere I go